Are you tired of putting yourself last? Of taking care of everybody else's needs and powering through to meet the next set of impossible standards? In our fast-paced society, we lose touch with our intrinsic worth, with the ability to value ourselves for who we are right now. Instead of living life exhausted, frustrated, and disconnected from your authentic self, maybe it's time to put yourself back in the life you've worked so hard to create. Join radio host and life choreographer Laura Cheadle and learn how to build your dreams and live your sparkle using the five steps of flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we have got this incredible transformational speaker and leadership trainer, and get this, get this, status quo disruptor as our guest. But before we bring her on, I want to take a few minutes and tell you to go to my brand spanking new website, www lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. Go to the work with me tab and find out about my new destination retreat that's coming up. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It's going to be in Glenwood Springs, Colorado over Father's Day weekend. So if you've been wanting to come to Colorado, now is your chance. And if you think you might want to come again next summer, go ahead and read about it now and get yourself on the wait list for next summer. But more than anything, oh my gosh, I'm super excited about it now. So check it out and reach out if you have any questions or comments because I'm really excited. And with that, back to the show and back to our guest. Today, I'm bringing on Paula. Alphonse, and she's from Canada. And oh my gosh, you are really going to enjoy this interview today. Because when you talk about leadership, I don't know about you, but I tend to think sometimes, oh, very boring, very straight laced, very follow this rule, follow that rule. And oh my goodness, that is not who this woman is. I am going to just cut right to the chase bring her on the show and let her share some of her magic with you today. So welcome to the show, Paula. Hi, Laura. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? Doing good as well. Looking forward to this conversation. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Okay, you have traveled the globe, like literally inspiring and transforming and mentoring men and women all over um, in leadership. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about what it is that you do? Okay, um, what I do is actually help organizations figure out how to organize their activities, but mostly it's really from the perspective of helping people better uh, adjust to working with each other. And from that, I take the stance of looking at personal leadership, which is do I recognize who I am and what I bring to the environment, and am I getting the result that I want? So if the impact is not what I want, but what they, I need to do. And it goes from the perspective that when we're trying to make change, uh, 
Yeah. We're looking at it from, oh, the other person has to change. Yeah, I'm sorry to say the only thing you can control is yourself. Oh. Let me repeat that. The only thing you can control is yourself. And even then at moments, we're not going to go there. We lose control of that little piece. And so I'm helping people realize that aspect and then figure out how do I lead people? How do I organize their work? How do I uh, build the relationship so that the people around me want to be there? Because when you think about it, we spend more time at work daily than we spend with our loved ones. So if I have to be there, let's ensure it's comfortable. Yes. Okay. So I... I hear you on all of that. We have to ensure it's comfortable. We do need to enjoy our work to be effective. It is all about us. But I can hear people in the audience saying, yeah, yeah, but these people that I work with, you don't understand these people that I work with. <laughs> uh, let's just say I have worked with people. I still work with people. Everything we do as humans involves working or interacting with people. And it's, it is really about understanding that oftentimes what I bring into a conversation can either make or break the conversation. And if I encounter someone that I might see as difficult, then the question is, why am I perceiving them to be difficult? What could be the reason for the behavior? Could I get a better sense of what's happening and then figure out how do I bring them in a conversation so that we can get a win-win? No one, no one wakes up in the morning thinking, I'm going to be so disagreeable to everybody. They're going to hate me today. So That's true. I know. So sometimes it's because we don't understand uh, the people's journey. Maybe they've had a rough night. Maybe uh, their child is sick. Maybe I had a car accident on my way to work. There's all kinds of reasons. Maybe the manager prior to you was a mm -mm -mm, and now it's like, I just don't trust all of you people. So it's the sense, need to get a better sense of what the other person is, but also be aware of what I'm bringing. And there's I no like better that. way than role modeling. Right, right. Because you're right, as a manager, you do have to assign tasks or directives and you do have to like, quote unquote, get work done and get work out of people. But I, I like that the focus is on the person and the relationship. And that makes more sense because I'm more willing to help people who are invested in me as a human as opposed to feeling like, oh, they're a taskmaster and all they want out of me is work and they don't care about me. Yeah. No one enjoys feeling used. So from the, that perspective, how could I help the person see the value added of engaging in that interaction? And how can we make it make the experience as pleasing as possible? Does this mean everything will be totally enjoyable? No. But if we're hitting this thing that we're doing right now, at least we can joke about it because in a few minutes, you'll be done. So <laughs> that's the portion. How do you lift the mood and the spirits around what needs to take place because in almost every single aspect of our life there'll be things we enjoy and there'll be things that we could do without but still have to get done yes isn't that true and i liked how you mentioned you know maybe joke about it because you're right there are things that we don't enjoy i you know for, for the people who have raised kids or animals out there <laughs> 
it's not enjoyable to change diapers or to clean up when the dog has had an accident on the floor but it is a part of owning an animal or having a child. And it's interesting because I, I often uh, make the joke uh, when I speak to individual, because sometimes I make the comparison between uh, regular life and work life. And there are things we do in one, and then for some reason we, we get to the other side and feel like, oh no, has to be done completely different. But the idea is not, it's not that it has to be done differently. It's just that you have to understand what comes with it. And for me, the joke I often make is if God had chosen to give us our children as teenagers, we might have sent them back within a couple (laughs) of weeks. But instead, it gives us little babies that are adorable, that are so needy, that are clinging to you and making you feel all kinds of emotions. I want to protect them. I want to make sure they're all right. And when I do this, I'm slowly getting to learn, to know who they are, learn, learn how to interact with them and love them some more so that when they get to the teenage years and you're thinking, oh, I don't even recognize that child. <laughs> can go back in your memory to those loving moments so that they go through that period and then they get back to you as normal adults, normal people. And you're like, oh, life is great again. So it's a journey and it's the same thing in the work environment. It's a journey. You have to build a relationship so that when the times get difficult, we can still remember what was working and put in the investment required to to move forward because I know there's got to be something better for, uh, further ahead. Yeah, yeah. And you're right, better for both people. It's I don't think it would be fun to be the manager having to crack the whip and be frustrated, nor would it be fun being the person being managed that way. So. No. I don't believe in micromanagement. Does that mean that there will be times that you have to work with someone closer uh, in order to ensure that the work gets done the way it's meant to get done? Yes, but you can do it in such a way that the person still feel respected and in, in a way that they don't feel that you're touching their sense of dignity. So it's the sense of how do we help people move forward and uh, address some of the challenges they might have to uh, to master, but then still feel like, hey, there's something great. I'll get something out of it rather than use, use me, use me, use me, take all the blood now that you've sucked the life out of me. And then it's just like, I, I don't want to be with you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So in your view, What is the role of the manager? Is it a manager, a mentor? How does that that work best? I would say as a manager, you you wear multiple hats. Uh, You're going to be, at times I'll be a coach, at times I'll be a tutor, at other times I might be a mentor, at other times I might be the strong disciplinarian and I have to supervise every single aspect, but I have to be able to recognize First thing for me is for a manager to understand and appreciate that he has two roles. The first one is to provide the employee with the tools and the support to do the work. Because if they don't have that, how can I expect them to create something great? And then on the other side, as a manager, I also have to provide my management 
with the data and the facts in order for them to make an effective decision making. So they, let's just say, we, you want me to do this with my team, but we don't have the right tool to make it happen. The tool that we have is so obsolete that it's going to take like two years to get this done, but there's something new on the market that might cost a lot in the beginning, but it's going to save us maybe 18 months of, of time. So let me see. Hmm. Provide that information, they make their decision, and then we move forward. But it's understanding that my role is always two-pronged. I'm in the middle, taking care of the staff, but also ensuring that management gets what, what it is that they need. So it's always figuring out how do I manage that, those uh, circular motion between the, the, the various uh, environments. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I like how you were very clear about making sure you have the right tools. Because in my experience, that is where the breakdown occurs very often. Somebody is given a task that they don't have the tools to complete, or the education, or the experience, or whatever it is to complete, and then they are berated or cut down for not doing something that they weren't trained how to do or weren't provided enough information to do in the first place. And I would say that's oftentimes where uh, the manager fails to acknowledge the fact that he has an active role to play in ensuring that not only the, the individual has the tools, but if he doesn't have the skill sets, then he might need training. If it's not training, he might need coaching. If there is time because it's a steep learning curve, then I have to give him time. So it's understanding that every single individual that's going to join my team will be slightly different and unique than the other ones. So I have to appreciate that I can't have a one-size-fits-all coming in and every single time an employee comes in, there's only one option that will work for everything. It usually doesn't work like that. So you have to take the time to build the relationship, understand what they bring, and also appreciate what are some of those elements that as an organization we have to put in place to support them. Yes. And I like how you um, say the manager is, is in between because mm-hmm. if they too need to ask for more support to give down to their employees, they Absolutely. need to be able to yeah verbalize that and go to bat for their employees. And I think some people might not recognize that. And just by virtue of the fact that you tell them, hey, this is your position, you're going to help a lot of people just with that one little tip right there. Oh, I'm hoping because the idea is oftentimes people are thrust into the managerial position and they're under the impression that the only thing I have to do is make sure the deliverables get done. But uh, the deliverables don't get done by themselves. It is people that are doing the job. So if you're not taking care of the people, what makes you think they're going to be giving you the best result on investment? If I don't take time to understand what you need in order to do the job, it's like having somebody who's uh, right-handed working with uh, tools that are for left-handed. Is it going to be able to do it? It could, but it would take a little more time and maybe get very frustrated and throw that wrench away because it's not working. Exactly. Understanding that, I have to be there to assess what is required for what situation, and it will be ju- it would be in the short term as well as the mid to the longer term. 
And that's part of my relationship, my, my responsibility to be invested in that relationship and understand that my role is to be there to support you because I cannot want something from them and not give them what it is that they need to make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. So what about tips for getting people engaged? Because I also think that we have, as a culture, as a society or whatever, we've had bad management for so long and a lack of understanding. I think there's a lot of employees out there who are like, I don't trust my manager. I don't, I, I, they're going to be used. They've got their guard up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. How do you break down those barriers and let people engage people and truly let them know, Hey, I am here as an intermediary. I am here to go to bat for you. Mm -hmm. I'm here to get you the skills, the tools, the coaching that you need so we can create this together. I think it's about being honest with the staff. It's about letting, explaining to them what is your role, but also be curious about what the, the, the staff believe is their role and what they bring to the conversation. Most of us don't want to be at work and feel like uh, I'm just a hot body on a chair. I want to feel like I'm using my competency. I want to have a sense that I can still make some decision, that I have a sense of autonomy. I'm an adult. We're adults outside of work. I want to be an adult uh, in, in, in at the work as well. And then doing something that that is meaningful from a perspective of what am I contributing to? What's that bigger picture? Again, if I'm spending that much time every day at work, I want to know that what I do makes a difference. And if I can't see what it is that I am creating or part of, it makes me feel like I'm wasting my time. It's like asking somebody to uh, put gravel, move it from the right side of the house to the left side of the house. When it's all on the left side, you ask him to go do the same and bring it back to the original. So they're going to ask, but why am I doing that? So if you don't have something that makes sense, they're thinking, uh, I don't see the point. I might still get paid, but I still don't see the point of what I'm doing. And that's the part. Nowadays, most of us, most of us evolve in a knowledge environment. It's a knowledge industry. So everybody's thinking, everybody's using their, their, uh, competency, their skill set, their rational thinking, and then you're making them do things where it makes no sense. So my role is to create that sense of understanding, to validate what it is that each of them think they want to bring to the work environment. And because most of them are knowledge workers, sometimes I'm managing people that are more intelligent than I am or are experts in some areas. have to acknowledge that too. I like that you said that because you're absolutely right. Um, it is a knowledge environment and there are a lot of experts out there and a manager doesn't mean that you are smarter than your employees. No. The sum of us are always going to be greater than the individual. And the sum of us is because we all come in from a different perspective, different lens. And as we combine our different expertise and knowledge, then we come up with solutions and options that each of us individually might not have considered. So it's in that sense, 
harness the potential, figure out what it is that it will, how it is that it will be applied the best way possible would always make your people feel more engaged than feeling that they just small dots on the board. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How does it work? And this, this was just my experience. I was a lawyer in the corporate environment. There's, I was a corporate attorney, not, not a law firm attorney, but -hmm. there's some weird competition between sometimes I have to be the one, I have to be the one, I have to be the one. And I a hundred percent agree. We all have our strengths. We all have our expertise. It is better to have collaboration. Um, do you have any tips for helping people get over that? Because that's, that's for, in some industries, I think that's harder. I would have to say um, what helps oftentimes is understanding what is the greater picture, the bigger picture, what are we trying to achieve, and then helping people see what each of the other team members bring to the conversation. And what we know now is that what's going to get you to be a be- the best leader potential is not what's going to get you to uh, be the best knowledge expert. So the idea is for most of the challenges we're experimenting nowadays in the work environment, there is not a one-size-fits-all in terms of solution. There will be things that we have to look, there's maybe three or five options, which one would be the best here and why? And that's where coming from different different angle will allow us to see the value that each of us bring to that conversation in identifying the best way forward. But that's the job of the manager. I'm meant to create the sense of relationship with my staff, then I have to also create that sense of resonance within the organization so that uh, within the team with that individual so that he understands how I feed into the various pockets of the larger uh, mandate and also who do I work with. So it's create rapport. It's not just about me having a great relationship with one staff. I have to help them feel comfortable with the other people they're working with because only then does it become a team. Otherwise you have a group of people together. You don't have a team. And when you have a group, everybody plays for what, what they call their team, which is me. Yeah. And we bring it to the group, then there'll be a, to the team, then there'll be a different set of decisions because we understand that bigger, um, a goal that we're trying to achieve and I'm willing to maybe step back on this one because this other person has the the option or the solution that would work best and I know that there'll be another option another situation or maybe what I bring might take okay so I might look like I have the limelight on me but it's still a team effort mm-hmm. you know as you were saying that I was um, self-reflecting a little bit. Uh, Listeners, you guys don't know this. Paula and I chatted a little bit about this before the show. But right now, I am doing a huge home improvement project with my mom. It's a family relationship. I do what I'm good at. She does what she's good at. We're not micromanaging each other and saying, do this and do it my way. And here's. It's a very easy flow. And I was just reflecting on how most of us have that easy flow with friends or family, yet at work, traditionally we step into this weird 
relationship yeah where that emotional connectedness where it's do this because i say to do it and it seems to me and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems to me you're bringing in this whole emotional connected piece that is just common sense this is this is how we innately and intuitively do things in every other environment why have we not been doing that in the work environment I totally agree. And this is it. It's common sense. And I said, uh, this is a sense where I'm currently working on a book, which is, I haven't figured out a title yet, but it's about bringing the common sense back to work and harnessing the humans into the, the structure. Because sometimes we pay way more attention to the computers, the, the chairs, the environment, the, the building, and then we ignore the people. But the funny thing, all of that doesn't do anything by itself. It's the people that will make everything else connect. And as humans, we need that connection. I need to know that when I'm interacting with this other person, that there's that uh, that sense of uh, some, something that brings us together. And not just, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, but more the sense of, I'd like to do more with you. I love what you bring in as it's going. I never thought about this and not feeling as though it's going to be a challenge. And it's like being in a family. Uh, when you have one baby and he's getting older, he's a toddler, maybe he's now three or four, and he's had the whole space just for himself. And then you're bringing a second child. They're like, what's wrong? What, what, why weren't you just happy with me? It's not that I'm not, we're extending the family, but I have to teach you how to get, uh, to build that relationship with that other human being. And in the work environment, we take it for granted that it's going to happen miraculously. You just drop people in the same room and they all become friends. Yeah, no. But it doesn't work that way. Our little, he, I don't know what he's going to think. I don't know how I'm supposed to act. Is it good to say this or not good to say this? Uh, I, should I mention that other thing? I don't know. And that doubt creates that sense of distance and that sense of discomfort. We've all been at one point to an okay to us a party or somewhere and felt like, oh, I wish I could be home. I wish I could be home until somebody comes along, starts talking to us and connect with us on what feels like a personal level. Yeah. So, same thing in the work environment. And me as a manager, that's my role to facilitate those conversations. I have to create those uh, moments where people will get together. The funny part I always uh, say is that whenever we're into family, whether whatever occasion, it always involves food and maybe some kind of uh, liquids. Well, leave it yeah. as liquids. And the thing is, there's a, a certain uh, level of fellowship when we're around and we're sharing the food, the conversation, and just... Um, partaking in, in being in an environment. As a manager, I have to do the same. So I have to create those opportunities, whether we go out for a break, whether we go out for a meal, whether we just decide we're at work, we're having lunch, let's play a puzzle, whatever it is. But it's my role to create that sense that people can see themselves as human being and not as a potential task holder. When I'm done, I give you this, you go do that. But more as like, how can we work best together? Yeah, I like that. And it seems like that kind of, and I love that word fellowship, that fellowship, that communion, then 
it seems like you would have a better opportunity to realize, oh, you know, this person over here is more of a visionary. Oh, this person is more detailed oriented. Oh, this person can motivate other people. And then you would be able to utilize those gifts and those strengths so much better. My sense is that we are each given different gifts and talent. And we'll bring that, those in the work environment and oftentimes they're not even recognized. So if I'm good at IT and I'm an IT technician, it's as though nothing else matters but you being the IT technician. I'm a human, I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I, I'm, I, I'm, I go to church or I play in a Korah, whatever, a choir, whatever it is, I do other things. So it's not just, we can't keep the conversation just on the strict work conversation, we have to get to the personal. Doesn't mean I have to tell you all of my warts and challenges, but it's this part where we can talk on a more a spontaneous level where you can mention, oh, I was at such and such a store and I saw this great sale, you should go. It's not work-related, but it's say, oh, we have something in common. I do like that color and I do like that style. And you think it's a, that's a great idea and that's those things and that's it's those innocuous rapport that actually allows for the team to gel together. Yeah, yeah. And in the beginning of the interview, you talked about the amount of time we spend at work. And that's also the difference between waking up on Monday morning and going, oh, God, not again. (laughs) Or, yes, I can't wait to see Paula because I watched the greatest movie and I just can't wait. I just got to tell her. Yeah. And by the way, for most people, it's not the morning, uh, the Sunday morning, the Monday morning that's difficult. They start feeling the difficulty of having to go back to work as of midday on the Sunday. So, uh, So when you don't like your job, trust me, you wake up in the morning of the Sunday and you're already thinking, oh, tomorrow will be. And that's the part. You don't make for a happy person when you're like that. And it doesn't make for a great work environment uh, when people come in and they're already dreading coming into the work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, reflecting on personal and my little home improvement project this weekend, before we caught the vision, we're we're doing like this nautical theme. Mm -hmm. When we first came in and we're cleaning and we're like, I don't know what we're going to do. And and you're doing it, but you're not doing the best job. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we caught the vision and then we could share it with each other. What about this? Oh, oh, let's do this. Oh, okay. I'll run it. And then yeah. we're both more energetic and we're getting more done. done. And you have a vision where each is contributing to make it alive, but also adding little touch that makes it oh, even better than the original thought. So I might have thought, let's, let's go blue. And then somebody mentioned, but you know, we could do this little gold here. And then there'll be some, some green and this with the flower bed. And it's like, oh, that would. So all of a sudden, once you understand the vision, once you understand what we're trying to accomplish, and once you realize you're part of making that alive, it changes the way you look at the, the work. And it makes the time go back so so much faster. Yes. Yes. I, I kid you not. We painted until 1230 last night. Did you even notice? <laughs> no. Because yeah. yeah. it's exciting. And that's invaluable. I, I think if managers or corporations understood that they can capitalize on that passion, 
they mm -hmm. can harness talent they can harness passion they can it's not yeah. that hard i think uh and again uh not wanting to say that it's uh just one individual or one organization the funny thing is that as a society um we have gotten very individualistic that's one thing but also we have got given the people the sense that if i do learn to do certain things and i do it well everything's gonna happen miraculously everything will be perfect and we it's not real life so yeah. which mean we've learned we showed people or we've invested huge amount of money to teach people how to do but we haven't invested nearly enough to teach them how to be and in the work environment i'm sorry it's not just about how you do it's also how you are, how to be with one another. How can I interact with you and get you and myself to the win-win? If I don't know and I just want it, it's, it's like putting kids in a, in a sandbox. Guess what? Whoever has the bigger truck will be the most popular. But then mm -hmm. after a while, uh, everybody, if you don't want to share your truck and you don't want to play with others, nobody's going to play with you even though you have the big truck. Yeah. So the portion, how do we help people create that sense of connection? How do we help people feel comfortable to show their true colors and be willing to share their gifts and talents in that environment? And while the knowing how to do might get you an easier journey, it will not carry you through life in all areas. It might mm -hmm. work in certain boardrooms, it might not work in others. It might get you to that position you've wanted, but it might not keep you there because the leadership versus management versus being a subject matter expert does not require the same competencies. And we have to appreciate that as I move from one world to the next, I have to understand what else do I need to add to my toolbox? But do I even recognize that I have a toolbox? Have I, do I have a toolbox? Oh, I don't know. A diploma is not a toolbox. It's what no. you do with the diploma that will become eventually your toolbox. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying that too, I was thinking, I would rather work with people who know how to be. Because I know I could train them or teach them or the find an internet yeah. class that could train them or teach them. Yeah. I'd rather work with personal people than a jerk who is an expert. I have, yeah. Trust me, there are jobs I've left just because I couldn't stand the jerks no more. Yeah. And that's the portion where, uh, and, I, and I would, in all fairness, the challenge we have in most our society is that people don't even know themselves. So they don't even, sometimes the jerks don't even know they're jerks. They yeah. just themselves. Well, it's a problem. And it's just like, yeah. yeah, do you realize what you just said? Yes. Okay. So when you said this, this is how that other person felt. So is that what you were going for? No. Okay. So how are you going to do it different? And sometimes when you're, in some environments, you get to experience that in your own family. So you get to work and you're better at it. In some environments where they never touch that, they get to work and it feels like we have a bunch of elephants in a China store. And guess what? 
things are falling to the ground, things are getting broken all the time, and we're wondering, I don't know what happened. They're grown-ups. Why can't they just get along? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Doesn't work as easily. No, because you're right. A lot of people don't self-reflect. A lot of people aren't self-aware. A lot of people... Uh, have you ever had that experience where you're working with someone and they, they're just clueless and they don't get it and they don't get why they should get it? <laughs> we, call, we call that emotional intelligence. And the funny part is we all assume that as human beings, we come in with the same level of emotional intelligence. And I would have to say all throughout your journey, you're going to learn different things. And the first layer of emotional intelligence is about first uh, recognizing myself. So it's the sense of who do I, who am I, and what's triggering me, and then managing myself. Because guess what? <laughs> it's nice to know I get angry easy. It's not as easy to say I will not get angry no matter what they say. So yeah. that's the portion about the self-awareness and then the self-management. Then the other piece of emotional intelligence is everything that is the social awareness and the relationship management. Social awareness is understanding what's the context in which we're operating and how it might require me to do something different. If I'm at a funeral versus if I'm at the water fountain by the, by the, the, uh, the director's office, there's different layers of conversation I can have. But also in that, I don't go through life all by myself. I will have to interact with others. So this is where relationship management will, will, comes into play. If I don't know how to interact with others, I'll be always wondering, why don't nobody want to play with me? Because you're rude, friend. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. That's, yeah. And it's so funny because it seems like some of that, uh, yes, emotional intelligence is hugely a thing, mm -hmm. but some of this really is like kindergarten level, like you said, you know, in the, in the truck with the sandbox, it, it is helping people create that understanding and get that awareness mm -hmm. and what to do about it. And that's it. That's huge. And so the biggest piece is we often, when we see something, which is like the symptom, we assume the intention and the person is bad. But oftentimes, maybe the intention wasn't bad, but the way you went about it actually created the challenge. So it's like the light on your dashboard. The light on the dashboard doesn't mean the car is crap. The light in the dashboard is telling you, go check with the garage. And then the garage will tell you what needs to get done. But sometimes we're not even checking the whole light on our dashboards. And sometimes all of them are on and we're still plowing forward and not even considering what, what, what it's telling us. And then we're surprised when we're not getting the result that we want. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like that. So here's, here's a question for you, because I, just for the listeners to know, Paula and I met in India. Yes. Uh, yes. And it was fantastic. But in a play, in India, <laughs> you bring in a lot of people from all over the world. So there's a lot of cultures. There's a lot of different ideas. Um, Paula herself lives in Canada. I'm in the U.S. The show has got an international listenership. 
What is the difference in culture and environment that you have found with the people all over the world? Or is there kind of a common denominator or a common problem? I would say at the root, there's a common denominator. The common denominator is I'm responsible for myself and I'm responsible for the actions and the emotions and the behaviors that I take. And the more I know about that, the easier it will be interacting with others. There might be some cultural differences from one country in the ways of certain, the way you go about doing certain things. But in the end, it's always this uh, human connection. If you understand yourself well and you're willing to take the time to understand the other person, then it'll, it'll be an easier relationship. If you don't and you only think that the way I see the world is the only way that exists, then you're likely to enter all kinds of challenges. It's like I want a hamburger. A hamburger in North America might not look the same in another country. No. And then you're like, where's my ketchup? What's ketchup? Everybody knows what ketchup is. Uh, maybe in North America, but maybe not in other countries. And yeah. that's the part. If you don't make those connections and are not, and this is both the self-awareness, but also the social awareness piece. So when I moved to another environment, and I know when we were in India, what they were telling us is you have to ensure that your shoulders are covered and your knees are covered and clothes should be So, okay, I can be in North America and wear shorts and a tank top and it's totally fine if I'm walking outside. In some culture, oh no, you're asking for trouble. But yeah. if getting the taking the time to understand how things change in different environments. Me working in an organization at the first entry level, the requirement for certain things is not the same than me becoming the CEO. So in between, there's a transition. I have to recognize those transitions. If not, then it's going to create all kinds of challenges. Who's going to trust a CEO that is running a multi-million industry if he shows up in flip-flops and a torn T-shirt? Yes. And I, you might not even get into the building if they don't know you because they're like, yeah, we ain't, we ain't having a conversation with you. So it's understanding that it's not about just self-appearance. It's about what I'm projecting as I'm walking into different environments. Yes. And, you know, as you were saying that, too, I was thinking it's you're there's always two sides of the coin. You're absolutely, absolutely right. And if he was the CEO of a surfboard company, that might be completely acceptable. There's With some clients. But if I go to the bank dressed like this, they might not give me the money I need to expand no. my company. So. No. You have to learn how to play by the rules and figure out which ones of those rules might get me to my result. And appreciate that if you come into an environment and you're pretty much telling people from your behavior that everything you do is wrong, you think they want to play with you? You're not playing with me. I'm not playing with you. So we're no. done. And no. it's understanding that. So those to me, are similar across the world. No matter where you go, you have to first respect the other person's uh, culture and understanding of what's the normal. And then you come in and try and see, is there any way we can influence or work together? And it's a lot easier to do this when you weren't a bully. Once you've already crashed everything, 
Yeah, you're going to have to be working really hard to get somebody to trust you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I liked how you mentioned in, you know, like in, in India, covering things. We don't cover the shoulders and the knees all the time in the U.S. You learn about the culture. I found it very respectful. I found it very beautiful. I had a few people when I came home saying, didn't you feel oppressed? Didn't No. No, it's a beautiful culture. I am happy to honor them and their culture. And I am happy to welcome, you know, other people into my culture and to learn about it. It's, it's beautiful. It's not oppressive at all. It's, it's an honoring. And we all played very, I, I, you know, I don't know your experience of the Women Economic Forum, but it was a beautiful experience to me. The breadth. <laughs> was yeah. astounding. I have to say for me, uh, I'm still on a high from uh, that experience. And we're talking, it's, uh, I've been back for almost a month. And, when, and whenever I talk about it, my eyes lit up, my smile brightens. It's the sense of having a, a large number of women working towards making or creating a better world. So there's a common goal. So even though you didn't know every single person there, you felt all connected. And that's the part. Uh, I love working with uh, women. And in my practice, there's quite a few women I work with from the perspective my at, at the roof of me. My belief is that when you create a change with a woman, she's more likely to transfer it into her family, into her community, and eventually into her practice. And that's you, regardless of what we say, we're all born to a mother. And yes. that mother is gonna establish what the world looks like according to her everyday behavior. So when you realize that it's just like so empowering as a female, even though in a lot of environment, it's a patriarchal environment, but the reality still is there's a woman at home taking care of everyone else. Yeah. Woman influencing each and every one of the individuals at a different level. So we might not come in and create change in the environment like maybe men do, but it doesn't mean we cannot uh, create something anew with whatever is that situation. I, that's beautiful because I've had the experience too at work where even though the culture may be a little toxic, there will be one matriarchal female that holds down a certain level of peace or calm. And you, yeah. you would go to that person and you expect and other people would treat I'm thinking in particular, I clerked at a law firm that was very toxic, and there was one paralegal who was a woman, and she took nothing from nobody, and everybody knew that. And if you're in her end of the office, you're respectful, and you just knew it. And, and yeah. she did have a trickle-down effect from her powerful, strong energy, because nobody was going to push her. I have to say, I, I don't know... I feel, at least in my mind, that part of my legacy is to create an environment where each and everyone can see that they have room to be. So from that perspective, it's the sense where I look at 
people, even sometimes people who at first glance, you're like, hmm, and you're thinking, okay, I check myself. Why are you feeling like this? What is the challenge for you? I don't know what happened. Maybe this person lives in the street because they lost their job or they're suffering from it, it, uh, whichever illness. There could be all kinds of reasons. It doesn't mean that it is bad. Your circumstances do not determine your worth nor your destination. So it's this part where sometimes because of who we are as a society, because we're so appearance driven, if somebody doesn't look the part, we feel they are not the part. But sometimes you need someone different to come in some environment and create something anew. And it's to recognize that. So for me, when I say I'm a status quo disruptor, I'm challenging people's perspective. I'm pushing, okay, so you decided that this behavior meant this. Yes. Could it mean something different? No. Could it? <laughs> if it wasn't that, what else could it be? And as I'm stretching your mindset, what we're doing is you uh, helping you understand that you might have made a quick judgment that could or could not be relevant. If that person is late, let's just say one morning, it could be my car broke down. It could be there was like an accident on the, on the highway. It could be I saw uh, someone needing assistance and I stopped and I might have saved their life. It could be all kinds of things. And you just say they're just lazy. Then... Okay, let's validate. Is it they're lazy or is it there's something in the work environment that makes them not want to come? And yes. you know, might be you, but that's a different conversation. But this is the part. No one works in isolation. You're always connected to something else. We each come in every single situation with luggage. It's either a carry-on or it could be a five-piece luggage. And the, if I have the five-piece luggage, there's all kinds of preconceived notion that I'm bringing in certain situations that might be connected or not. And that's the portion where I need to check myself. Have I validated that my first assumption is in true, indeed true? And you know what they say about assuming? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Validate. If you don't, then... If you're not getting the result, it might not be because of that other person. It might be what have I, which seed have I planted in that environment? Yeah. And then am I getting what I was expecting? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I have all my craziness sometimes. Sorry, I got a little into no. that conversation. But no, I do believe in people's potential. No, that's perfect. And that's so true because we can be shutting down some people thinking that we're motivating and we're shutting them down. I, you know, I was just thinking, again, I've had some interesting conversations with, with my mom because we're painting the last couple of days and we were talking about some of the childhood friends in the neighborhoods and the ways that different families did different things. Mm -hmm. And some families are loud. Some families are quiet. Some families are direct. Some families are kind of this passive aggressive thing in the work environment. You know, I was just thinking of those like different friends from the families, they will respond differently 
to my cues and it's going to mean completely different things. And my assumption that they're lazy or stupid or dumb or whatever it is has nothing to do with that. It has to do with them being six years old and that was their family of origins language. It has nothing to do with their capacity to perform work. And it's interesting because as we come into the work environment, we're give, we're, we have this false illusion that everybody's the same, but it's not we, because we're all in the same space that it means we have the same reality. As you've mentioned, if in my family, when there was a problem, all we, we were asked to just stop talking, guess what? You're going to do or say something with me, and then you're all going to ask me to uh, provide a response but if I know my response is not going to be what you like, in my mind, I am right back where I was with my parent when they yep. told me, I don't want to hear it. Stop talking. Right. And then guess what? That's it. We're done. And that's the part. That's why you have to get to know the people and understand where they're coming from. You have to create the environment for them to feel like they accepted as they are and not as you think they should be. There's a lot of people that are in the work environment and are faking it. Yes. They're just there projecting the image they think you want to do, but it requires a lot of energy to just pretend to be who you, who I think you want me to be. And then by the time I haven't even started working, I'm already exhausted. So it's just like, we're not getting the best return on investment as organization when we do that. No. So where can people go deeper with you? Where can they read more or have a, you know, find out more? I mean, I'm thinking my listeners, whether they're employees or managers Mm -hmm. or whoever might be thinking like I am, oh, what about this? What about that? I need to learn more. Where where can people find out more, Paula? I would say uh, definitely you can reach me through, uh, sorry, LinkedIn or Facebook. But there's also a way for you, if you want to read more about what I do and some of those other activities, on my website, which is www.paulaalphonse.com, P-A-U-L-A-A-L-P-H-O-N-S-C.com, simple. And you can find, try and look through it, see what you see that is of interest. And if you have questions, there's a way to contact me through this as well. So there's... I I usually I'm good in uh, checking back and returning information. And it's really from the perspective, I want to help. I just want to help. That's it. Because if we make good managers, we will have good husband, wives, parents, and all of this. Because when we had a bad day, guess what happens when we get home? Oh my goodness. Yes. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. And yeah, that's not making anybody happy. No. Let's create that environment where it flows from positivity to positivity rather than negativity to more negativity. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I really love that. And also, I will put information up on my show page. Listeners, you can always find my show page, Laura Cheadle, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. You can look for the show. I will list all of Paula's information, too. And... I'm throwing this out there too. Yes, you work with managers, but I think, you know, like you were saying, women share this to everybody. I'm thinking whatever job you've got, whatever level you've got, you can take Paula's information and wisdom and you can transform your organization, your family, yourself. 
and Definitely. everything's going to be more positive. Like she said, positive to positive. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are or where you're at or what your job title is. It's about personal leadership. Everywhere we are as individual, we have a certain level of influence and the possibility to create something positive. Instead of looking at everything I cannot do, let's look at what is it that I can do right now in that environment. You are brilliant. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this work for this world because We've all been in those negative environments. Thank you for being an ambassador of change, of for shaking up the status quo, and bring that human element back into our world. I couldn't appreciate that more. Thank you. My pleasure. You are welcome. Listeners, again, reach out to me, reach out to Paula, even take the little tips that you've learned today that it's about people. And right now, today, wherever you're at, smile. Ask somebody a more personal, connected question. Take one step today to get to know them. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come release self-judgment, reveal your naked self-worth, and re-choreograph a life filled with joy. Flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more at laurachedle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. 